The farming industry is set to take social media by storm with its biggest online campaign just days away. 24 Hours in Farming, otherwise known as Farm24, will showcase what a typical day in farming can look like and help educate the British public about where and how their food is produced. Sponsored by Morrison's, the flagship campaign is taking place on August 4th and 5th and everyone working in the agricultural industry is being asked to throw their support behind the campaign and help raise awareness about one of the most important industries in the UK and beyond. Simply take a picture or create a quick video, share on your social media account and show the general public a snapshot of your day using hashtag Farm24. And be sure to tag at Farmers Guardian and at Morrison's so we can see you. Regenerative farming is being talked about a lot in agricultural circles, but can it heal your soul as well as your soil? On this week's Over the Farmgate podcast brought to you by Farmers Guardian, we're taking a look at how changing your mindset can change the way you farm entirely and have a positive impact on the rest of your life. Make sure you're subscribed on your favourite platform so you never miss an episode. Regenerative farming is all about soil health, biodiversity and farming alongside nature. But there is one other key component, and that is your mindset. Jess Fredenberg has been talking to regenerative farming legend and pioneer Gabe Brown. Gabe farms at Brown's Ranch, a diversified 5,000-acre farm in North Dakota, and now travels the world advising on regenerative agriculture. Hello everyone, I'm Jez Fredenberg and I am delighted and very excited to have Gabe Brown on the podcast. Now, for those of you who might just be dipping your toes into regenerative farming, Gabe is a huge household name in the movement and a big advocate for soil health. He began changing his farming practices more than 25 years ago and his book about his journey, Dirt to Soil, has become an absolute staple for anyone wanting to move in this direction. Gabe has been named one of the 25 most influential agricultural leaders in the United States. He farms at Brown's Ranch, a diversified 5,000-acre farm in North Dakota, with his wife Shelley and son Paul. And he is, I'm sure you'll agree, the perfect person to talk to us about regenerative farming and mindset. Gabe, welcome to the Farmer's Garden podcast. Thank you so much for coming on. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you today. How how are you doing? I've just I just said to you a minute ago it's been absolutely burning over here in Europe with wildfires all over the place and droughts. What's it looking like on your farm right now? Well, we've the past 6 years have been extremely dry. The last 2 years were the two driest in recorded history here in Bismarck, North Dakota, but we've been fortunate to catch some moisture this year, so things are looking pretty good. Gabe, you began on this this journey um, a long time ago now, now as a result of some quite extreme weather yourself, didn't you? Which which then led to subsequent crop losses year after year. Um, for those people who maybe are not so familiar with your story, could you give us a very brief outline of what happened exactly? Sure. So my wife and I started farming ranching way back in 1983, and we started doing so conventionally, tillage, monoculture, set stock, uh, stocking rate on the pastures. Uh, 
I learned though and studied and, and about no-till and we went no-till in 1994, 100% and first year was good. But then the years 95 through 98, we actually lost crops four years in a row uh, to hail three years and drought one year. Well, after four years of no income, banker wasn't willing to loan me money anymore. And I had to figure out how am I going to make this farm profitable without all the added inputs. And it really sent me on a learning, an educational journey as to how ecosystems function. And what I learned over time, thanks to the help of many others, is we need to farm and ranch in synchrony with nature. Because if we do so, we're going to repair, rebuild, revitalize, and restore ecosystem function. And we do that starting with all life in the soil, moving to all life above the soil. So you, you kind of touched on a, a, what of, a little bit of what I'm about to ask you, but could you describe a little bit more about your approach to farming back then before you went on this journey compared to now? Yeah, and to sum that up very succinctly, I tell people I used to wake up every morning trying to decide what I was going to kill that day. Was it going to be a weed? Was it going to be a pest? Was it going to be a fungal disease? I was going to kill something. Now I wake up every morning, how do I get more life on my farm? And it's much more enjoyable and much, much more profitable working with life rather than death. It, I mean, it definitely sounds it. Do you think it's changed you as a person? Do you feel better when you're, when you're getting out to, to work every day? You know, one of the, the beautiful things about regenerative agriculture is that the people are willing to share. And I have the good fortune. I'm on literally hundreds of farms and ranches all over the world every year. And the people who are actively practicing regenerative agriculture have a totally different mindset and outlook as compared to many of those in the conventional mindset. I mean, I walk out of my house every morning and I can hear the birds and the insects and see the, the diversity of different plant species and who doesn't want to work with that. And then also, uh, seeing the profitability of it. It's much, much more profitable than the conventional mindset. And I'm guessing at the moment when we're, I mean, the world is obviously a very turbulent place, isn't it, right now? You know, ecological crisis and uh, climate crisis and energy crisis right now, food crisis, uh, cost of living crisis, you know, these all big, big issues that we're dealing with. How do you think, you know, the way that you're approaching your farm and your business now, where do you think that puts you compared to if you'd not made that change? Well, it, it definitely puts me in a better place in, in the driver's seat. Uh, we have a saying at Understanding Ag, which is our regenerative consulting firm, common ground for common good. You look at what you just mentioned there. You mentioned a number of different symptoms we're seeing. Uh, climate change. Well, what is climate change? It's caused by too much carbon in the atmosphere, not enough in the soil. You talked about the food crisis. Well, 
We have a food crisis because we've degraded our soils. We have a human health crisis because we've degraded our soils and our food is not as high in nutrient density as it once was. We have water quality and water quantity issues. Those can also be addressed by regenerative agriculture. I, I have the good fortune I get to speak to a lot of individuals, companies, entities, uh, uh, government agencies, and I tell them, you know, I really believe humans can agree on 85 plus percent of the things. We all want clean air, clean water, healthy food. We want to mitigate climate change. Well, let's come together on those 85 percent. Let's not worry about the 15 percent. So is agriculture to blame for all of those symptoms? Partially. But agriculture, if we practice regeneratively, can be a major part of the solution. So why can't we come together and find common ground for common good? Absolutely. I think that's a really, really good point. And I mean, just that that kind of mindset as a as a farmer, you know, how does that change the way you feel about what you do every day? Especially if you're, like you said, you're kind of working more collaboratively um, and collectively. Yeah. So what we have to realize is we play an important part of the greater good. So every decision we make on our farm or ranch either has compounding positive effects or cascading negative effects. And we as farmers and ranchers, of course, we need to take our own well-being and the well-being of our family into account. But we need to realize that we play an important part in the well-being of society. So every time you do a practice on your farm or ranch, it should occur to you, okay, what are are these, is this practice going to have positive compounding effects or negative cascading effects? That helps drive your decision-making process. Would you? I just wanted to touch on the the farmers and ecosystem then, because it sounds like that's kind of what you're talking about as well. And I know if anyone goes on on YouTube and sort of types in Gabe Brown farmers and ecosystem, you've got two videos on there, haven't you? That are a few years old now and that have notched up over a million views, and they're very interesting. Can you just explain a little bit what you mean about seeing your farm? Uh, it goes back to what you were saying before about life instead of death, really, isn't it? I'm not 99% sure that what the principles and practices that I use on my farm will work anywhere in the world. I'm 100% sure because soil is everywhere. It's sand, silt, and clay and just different fractions thereof. There's six time-tested ecological principles that drive the four ecosystem processes. And very briefly, uh, those are, number one, context. You have to farm and ranch in your context. I tell people there's a reason bananas don't grow in North Dakota, because we're froze for five months out of the year, okay? You have to farm and ranch within that context. Number two is least amount of mechanical chemical disturbance possible. Yet nature does not till. Yes, there's earthworms and burrowing rodents, but not the copious amounts of tillage we use today. 
nature sends off chemical signals with plants, but not the copious amounts of chemicals we use in agriculture today. Third principle is armor on the soil. Nature always tries to keep the soil covered. Walk into a forest, it's covered with leaves. Walk out onto a grassland, it's covered with thatch. Nature does not like bare soil because that soil is the home for all the biology that cycles the nutrients to feed the plants. Next principle is diversity. Nature is extremely diverse with hundreds of different species of plants, animals, and insects. Yeah, what do we do in agriculture? We go plant a monoculture. That's not conducive to a healthy ecosystem. Next principle is living root in the soil as long as possible throughout the year. There's a reason now approximately 75% of the carbon that was once in the soil on many farms is now in the atmosphere. It's because we don't have a living root, a living plant to capture that solar energy, pull that carbon out of the atmosphere and put it back into the soil where it can be utilized via biology. And then the final principle is animal integration. We remove the animals from the landscape. That's the worst thing we can do. Uh, deep, rich soils were formed by grazing animals, taking a bite and moving on. And they're an important part of the ecosystem. If we do those six things, then we're going to drive the four ecosystem processes, the energy cycle, the water cycle, the mineral cycle, and community dynamics. We're going to drive those and have a healthy functioning ecosystem. That in turn, if we have healthy soils, we're going to have healthy plants, healthy animals, and healthy people. And they all interact, don't they? They're all kind of dependent on each other. And that's the sort of beauty of nature, isn't it? It, it works. It's evolved to do this. Um, yeah, you're exactly right. You know, we often think of what we do in agriculture today as conventional agriculture. There's nothing conventional about it. These six principles and four processes have been around for eons of time. Yet it's only you know, since mankind started practicing agriculture that we've tilled the soil and that we've been applying these fertilizers and these chemicals and, and everything else. And I often hear people say, yeah, but you're not going to feed the world with regenerative agriculture. And I said, really, let's take a look at my farm, for instance. I grow the same cash crops that my neighbors grow. But then besides the cash crops, we'll have beef cattle and sheep and hogs and bees producing honey and chickens and laying hens, broilers. We produce much, much more food per acre than does a monoculture farm. So who's going to feed the world first? And then most importantly, who's going to feed it nutritious, you know, nutrient dense food? That's pretty obvious. I think that's really interesting. I mean, would you say it's, uh, you know, to, to move in this direction, it's a kind of unlearning of what has been learned and it's a relearning of what our ancestors really also knew. Because our ancestors did know a lot of this stuff, didn't they? Yeah, and, and realize that you can't blame farmers and ranchers for not using these regenerative principles when they're not taught it. You cannot implement what you do not know. Uh, I grew up in the city of Bismarck, not on a farm, but I started working on farms, took an interest, went to the university. I have a couple of degrees in agriculture, 
never once in all my studies did they talk to me about the principles and processes. No, to the university taught me the soil was like a chemistry set. You, you know, it was there to hold the plant upright and you applied these synthetic inputs and you grew a plant. Well, that's not how nature functions. And if we relearn, as you said, and study, become lifelong learners uh, of how ecosystem function, this becomes rather simple. Na nature is very complex, but it's not complicated, you know. So I tell people, if Gabe Brown can do it, any farmer can do it. It's not <laughs> rocket science. You know, but it is a different understanding, isn't it? It's a different way of, of you know, like going out into your farm and looking at it completely differently, isn't it? Would you say, is it almost... Is it almost like being like a regenerative farmer is almost like an ecologist who produces food? Oh, that's exactly there. right. You have to learn how to observe. You know, we got to realize nature is always self-organizing, self-regulating, self-healing. So if we go out on our farm and we see what many consider a weed, well, what's that weed trying to tell us? What nutrient is it trying to cycle? Is it trying to alleviate compaction? Is it trying to put armor on the soil? Why is it there? Nature's trying to heal itself. Okay, why are we standing in its way? And what did we do wrong that nature then stepped in? Once you become very observant, then you're able to adjust your management practices accordingly. In doing that, in becoming more observant, does it actually, do you find that you've kind of slowed down the way that you approach farming as well? Because I think a lot of farmers feel very stretched and stressed, don't they, all the time? Like they don't have enough time to do anything. But actually, when you when you start farming in this way, you've said, you know, obviously nature is self-regulating. Has it kind of changed your your hours on the farm and the 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 work that you do and has it given you more time to observe and to enjoy it? Oh, that's a great question. And very, very observant of you. Yes. The answer is yes, it has. Take for instance, our ranch here in North Dakota. I, I'm more or less retired from the ranch. Now I spend my time traveling around consulting and educating. So our 5,000 acre ranch, which consists of, approximately a thousand acres of cropland. We grow a wide variety of different cash crops. Plus we have uh, uh, up to 700 head of beef cattle that we grass finish on our ranch. We have a flock of ewes and we grass finish lamb. We have sows, we farrow and pasture finish the uh, three to 400 head of pork a year. We have 1500 laying hands out on pasture. Uh, we have honeybees, uh, vegetable gardens. All that is done by my son, his fiance. My wife cleans the eggs and does the book work. And one part-time hired man. That's it. Plus, we're direct marketing almost all those products. Well, people might say, oh, that's a tremendous amount of work. Well, look at the things we don't do. We have not applied any fertilizers since 2007. We don't apply fungicides. We don't apply pesticides. We don't vaccinate the, care, the livestock. 
you know, we, there's so many things we don't do that allows us the time to do other things and to direct market and to do what we want to do. Mm. Farmers and ranchers tend to spend a lot of time doing very meaningless things that really uh, are contradictory to a healthy ecosystem. I think that's all really interesting, Gabe. Um, With all of that in mind, do you find that this way of farming, has it brought you kind of personally closer to nature? Because I think there is a spiritual element of this that we don't really talk about so much do we and and people can get a bit uptight about this kind of stuff but actually it's quite it's quite fundamental isn't it it is and I'm very open to everyone that I am a Christian and I really believe that we need to try and and make our farm our ranch a kingdom of God and when I'm out every day I often think would would my creator be proud of what I'm doing. Would it be pleasing to him? And so that's what I do. I I look at things in that light. How can we uh, take care of our land in a way that is not only good for us, but it's good for all future generations and society. And it's gonna endure for decades and decades to come. I think that's really beautiful. Um, it's such a lovely idea, like creating a, a sort of Garden of Eden that's sort of producing lots of food as well, and it, it sort of benefits everybody and everything in it, doesn't it? Um, I mean, so I mean, some some people listening to this might might be finding this uh, like the, I don't know. Perhaps it pushes some people out of their comfort zones a little bit, doesn't it? Um, what how how would you what would you sort of say to people like that who are maybe struggling with this kind of concept and maybe they kind of know in their gut perhaps they know in their gut that this makes a lot of sense but i don't know there's a lot of baggage i think isn't there attached to farming in a a quote-unquote conventional way as, as you mentioned earlier well and and i often get asked gabe if this is so good why isn't everybody doing it mm. well you know, you don't know what you don't know. So we can't expect them to implement if they don't know. But fear, fear of the unknown. Okay, I haven't been doing that. That's not the way my father farmed. Who am I to change? Peer pressure also. Okay, When you're the only one using these regenerative practices, you're going to get peer pressure from others in the community. You're going to get peer pressure from those whose uh, livelihood depends on the status quo. I often uh, tell people, you know, the, uh, the seed dealer, the fertilizer dealer, the chemical dealer, they don't care much for Gabe Brown because I don't give them much business, you know? So all that makes people very uncomfortable. And there's another old saying that goes, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. I never, ever try and force my ideas, beliefs on anyone else. That's up to them. I simply share my story, explain and educate to them how ecosystems function. Nobody can argue it because this is time-tested ecological principles. It's 
nobody can win that argument against me and nobody can win the argument that I haven't been successful at it. And it's not just me. There's thousands of others all over the world. I get uh, phone calls and emails daily from people all over the world who uh, are using these regenerative practices to heal their ecosystems. That must be a really nice thing, actually, to be connected like that globally. There is a there is a community, isn't there? I mean, like we said earlier, you've been you've been doing this a long time, but it does feel um, like it's sort of the ball is really rolling now. Certainly feels like that over over here in the UK. And that's really exciting. Do you find it exciting to see that as well? Oh, it is. What keeps me going is just that when I get the phone call or the email from someone whose life has been changed because they've gone down this path. I tell people for years, those of us who were early adopters, we felt like we were pushing a mighty big snowball uphill. And now the last three to five years, I mean, you can't hardly uh, go a day without hearing the word regenerative over and over again in many facets of society. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. What do you think are the biggest barriers standing in the way? Um, you, you mentioned peer pressure and, and, you know, industry that has interest, financial interest in this. But um, what would you say are the biggest, the biggest barriers stopping people, either physical or perhaps, like we said, mindset? Yeah. And education, lack of education, because it's not being taught. Now, there's those who are trying to address that. Uh the another one of them is financial constraints and it doesn't cost any extra money to go down the regenerative path it just is the fact that most farmers and ranchers have to borrow operating capital every year in order to put that crop in and the lending institution's going to tell them hey we're not you know you've got to keep status quo because we don't want you doing anything out of the norm so there's some education that needs to be had there. Over here in the United States, government policy is often antagonistic. Uh, I know that policy in the UK is changing, and, and uh, I've had a little bit of input I've been able to put on that, how we can change policy to base it on ecological outcomes, which I think is much, much better. And it will be much better for the farmer and rancher in the long run also. But those are some of the main barriers uh, to the adoption of regenerative ag. What, what do you think can can really accelerate it? You know, if if you were I know you've had a you've had a, um, a podcast with Defra. You did a podcast with Defra recently, didn't you? Um, but what do you think government could do to really accelerate it or indeed anybody else? Yeah. Government needs to quit uh, uh, dangling the carrot out there, paying farmers for yield or pounds, and they need to base it on ecological outcomes. How much carbon are you cycling back into the soil? How clean is the water that's leaving your farm? How much water can you infiltrate into your soils? How much biodiversity do you have on your farm or ranch? And I really think in the near future, um, food is going to be sold based on the phytonutrients that are in the food. So, Because that's really what drives human health. 
And if we can, if that'll happen, we'll truly be able to use food as preventative medicine. You know, I contend that today we don't have food. We have food-like substances because they're produced in very unhealthy soil and they have but a mere fraction of the nutrients in them that they once did. And that's part of the reason, you know, not totally, but a part of the reason for the human health crisis we see worldwide. What would you say as a sort of parting thought, Gabe, what would you say is your, your hope for the, for the future of regenerative farming? I really believe that in the not too distant future, regenerative farming will be the norm. And we will see a healing of the soils, of our ecosystems. That in turn will give future generations the opportunity to be both healthy and sustainable. You see, today there's a... a, a lot of people, oh, we need to be sustainable. Why would we want to sustain a degraded resource? We need to be regenerative first, and then that will allow future generations the opportunity to be sustainable. That makes total sense. And for anybody listening who's thinking, mm, not sure if this is for me and my farm yet, but I want to find out a little bit more, where would you point them? What would be your kind of first suggestion for where they could go? What kind of things they could, what kind of information they could get? Sure. So uh, they can go on our understandingag.com website. And we have a resource page with a lot of free webinars to view there. We also have some learning materials available. You also go to soilhealthacademy.org. That's our nonprofit educational arm that educates anyone who wants to learn as to the principles and processes. That's really cool. Well, Gabe, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. And I think everyone can agree that they've learned a hell of a lot. So thank you. Thank you. It was great to be with you. Thank you to Gabe and to Jez. Don't forget to pick up this week's edition of Farmer's Guardian with all the latest news from around the industry. We'll have the latest on agricultural policy as the British Farming Union Chair warns farmers will shun the sustainable farming incentive unless changes are made. We're following the developments in the grain markets after a deal was reached to export Ukrainian grain. And we speak to actor-turned-farmer Kelvin Fletcher as the former Emmerdale star speaks about his and his wife's new life in the countryside. That's it for this week on Over the Farm Gate. We'll be back with another episode next week. Goodbye for now. <laughs>